0: You got it? I got it. Okay.
1: Welcome to Shabbatify. Hello. For like the third time, welcome to Shabbatify. (laughs) For those who are interested, the backstory is that my children have been populating the airwaves every time that we've tried to record this morning. But uh, I'm Rabbi Scott Perlow.
0: Chazan Basi take three.
1: <laughs> Together <laughs> with all of you, we're Romu, Brooklyn. Oh, man. Wow. Basi, you, had, um, you came across a really beautiful teaching. Do you want to share the teaching?
0: Sure, it's a beautiful teaching um, by Reb Nachman, um, and it involves that idea that every time we do something good in the world, that there's a um, a candle that's lit in the world to come that like lights up and exposes the hidden treasures that are left after the kingdom, or the king or the queen leaves. So, it's hard to kind of like parse that out exactly. What does that mean? But that I think the part of this that I do really, really um, resonate with is the idea that every good deed that we do is something that illuminates the world.
1: Yeah. And this week's Parsha is Balotcha, which is all about lighting candles, lighting the lamps in the temple that was like that big menorah that you, the people see, the seven part of menorah. And it's been. dark few weeks as we're recording. This is just a few days after the latest ceasefire between Hamas and Israel over uh, stuff that started in Sheikh Jarrah. And, uh, you know, this is 2021. So I suppose look it up if you uh, ever listen to this in the future. And it's just, it's been a hard few weeks for us all. So we're going to try to bring a little light to the world. And let's start Speaking of our hearts being in the east, with uh, one of my favorite bands, uh, Vit, the natural choice. This is Shlomo Bar and his uh, crew singing Shahar Choret.
2: for it
3: بين الارض والسماء ناس كتير بعيشوا السما ما تخافوا تحلم بالسلام I would like to
4: take this time to congratulate the women of Women Wish Peace. I want to thank you for standing up for peace alongside your Palestinian sisters. I want to thank you and to let you know that in the world that we live in, peace is possible only when women, women of integrity and faith, stand up for the future of their children. Congratulations. It is my hope that you will continue to battle for peace in a constructive way and I look forward to the day that I will come and join you. Thank you for the children of Israel. Thank you for the children of Palestine.
3: Thank you. Peace.
4: Shalom.
1: Wow, so that was Yael Dekoboam, Prayer of the Mothers. Uh, this song actually has some provenance and history to it. Basa, you brought this one. Do you, do you wanna talk about it a little bit?
0: Um, yeah, it was beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful song and performance and collaboration between Yael Deckelbaum and Women Wage Peace Movement. And it was born out of uh, the conflict that was escalating during 2014 between um, Israel and the Palestinians. And a group of women just decided to march together and to stand together and um, sing together in this way of the March of Hope Project. So I think it's a really beautiful kind of musical emblem of something that we're trying to get to in this day and age right now, while everybody's still so deeply entrenched in their Point of views and their, their their you know their way of looking at this is is just so painful, and just to listen to the sound of women and mothers singing together, I think is just a beautiful way to ground, just way this Parsha is grounded in light giving and light bearing
1: yeah, I just think that 's the kind of voice that we need right now you know there 's so much shouting and yelling, and if you go online, you see so much of it, and I just think that there's a possibility for a different voice even in this moment, even in this moment. There's a possibility for great light like those 4,000 Israeli and Palestinian women who marched together in 2014 um, because they had had enough. Uh, So we're gonna do our best to bring points of light for wherever we can in the world in this podcast from all over the place. And this is a really interesting place to bring it. This next song is from the Shira choir. This is actually a bunch of ultra-Orthodox Beautiful, beautiful singers uh, who are singing a, 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 a niggin that a previous guest, Deborah Sachs mintz introduced us to. This is the Shira choir with Yumashemlo Yivne
5: Baishem <speaking in Hebrew> Lo Yivne Show on the boy, you must not your small, you must employ your you must employ your small, you must employ In their bodies. Show on low boy noble, you must employ his body. Jobs up, catch all women. You must employ in their bodies. Show on low boy noble, you must employ his body. Jobs up, boy Shalom, luboim, 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 shalom lo yishmoriit, shalom shokat shoymei. Here, here, lo yonum, lo yonum, velo yisham, lo yonum, velo yisham shoymei Israel. No, you in Hey,
0: That was so. That was so much fun to listen to, and it brought me back. Really brought me back to my childhood. Um,
1: there's really something about that particular recording. Like I don't know if it's the harmony or like the kind of like there's a kind of like um, there's almost like a Sufi like zikr quality to it. Like there's a rhythmic quality to it. It just really speaks to me.
0: It's like a pattern. It's like a pattern of devotion and it's interesting because there's a pattern also that's uh being handed down in this actually blueprint of the menorah which is the pattern of the divine light bearer light bearingness into this like physical manifestation all crafted out of one piece of gold that flowers into these wicks that bear light and um there's a torah another torah by rev nachman i'm really a rev nachman
1: uh Sreb Nachman's week on Shabbat if he's, he's getting the credit he finally deserves <laughs>
0: absolutely the words El Mul Pane HaMenorah that there's uh like if the Pane the face of the menorah he translates as that there are seven ways like not only seven like um, uh, candles but there are seven places through which light enters and light is given on our faces he
1: says today Mul Pane on the like the the menorah is across from, like the face.
0: Like the face, That's how we exactly. translate
1: that first. Yeah.
0: Yes, exactly, like the face. And that our faces are light bearers too. And that these orifices, our ears, our eyes, our two eyes, our two nostrils, and our mouth, are ways in which we either bring out light or receive light. Hmm. And so if we look at, if, we, if we're able to look at each other's faces, if we're able to see that, that incredible power of light in each other's faces, that also is a way of grounding in something that's much bigger and much brighter and much more powerful than all the ways that light gets sucked out
1: of us. Mm, beautiful.
6: decir que i
1: So one of the points of light that I want to share this week, since we're talking about the menorah, is that uh, Emily, who works for Romu Brooklyn, finally got me onto Clubhouse. She's been trying for a while. And I, so I downloaded it and I set it up and I opened the app. And the first thing I see is this room called Meet Israelis and Palestinians. And given the fact that there were literally rockets and bombs flying at the time, I, I couldn't resist. It had been, honestly, a good decade since I'd done real peace work with actual Palestinians and actual Israelis, things, the situation is such, I walk into the room and the next thing I know, I I, I sort of grabbed my wife and forced her <laughs> to stop what she was doing and to start to listen. And we were captivated ever since it, what's going on in that room has actually been the only point of light for us in this recent conflict between Israelis and Palestinians and we're incredibly lucky on Shabbatify to be joined today by Hamza Khan, who is one of the moderators of the room and has been a peace activist for many years, interfaith peace activist for many years. He's Muslim American. Thanks for coming on to Shabbatify.
7: Thanks for having me. It's really great to be here with you.
1: At that point in time, it was 72 hours straight. People all over the world have been asking questions and Muslims, and excuse me, Palestinians and Israelis had been responding hour after hour after hour. Hamza, what's it like to stand as a moderator in a space like this?
7: It's profound. Um, it's probably where we want to begin. And I think as of an hour ago, we hit 200 hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, and to give you some background with this, uh, it, it began as a simple project by a very kind Palestinian Israeli uh, named Majid Othman who wanted to create space so that people could understand the story and the narratives of the people who are one being bombed and being subject to missiles, because oftentimes there is a huge disconnect between the reality on the ground, depending where you are and the reality we're shown on television or the reality of the fact that there might be a missile that exploded in your backyard. Uh, And so as Majid pulled this together, he pinged me a few times to join uh, and I, I put put it off mostly because I was emotionally exhausted. This all began during Ramadan, if you recall, with the with the incident right. on the 25th of Ramadan, the, the night of the 25th of Ramadan, when um, the Al Aqsa Mosque, the Kotel in Hebrew, uh, was breached by um, by Israeli police forces who were in search of people who had thrown stones and had harassed uh, the police in one way or another. That had never happened before, and on at least on this scale. And to happen on the 25th of Ramadan, which is considered one of the holiest nights of the year, it was very triggering for many people. Um, and if anyone wants to do, do a Google search, they can see that probably one of the strongest supporters um, uh, in, in Maryland and in the Muslim community for Israel's right to exist is probably going to be me in a political setting. Hmm. So even for me, this was, um, how do we put it, a bridge too far? So I just needed time to be by myself. But Majid insisted that I come in and play a role. And soon it became clear the reason why, Um, because he's a Palestinian Israeli with a very remarkable and beautiful background that he should share very soon, I think, with the world. Um, And because I had spent so much of my life working closely with the Jewish community, I went to more Shabbatons growing up than I did oftentimes uh, to Muslim events, except for Friday prayer, um, that, You know, we're the only, we were actually the only two guys up there on stage as moderators who had an understanding of the quote unquote, the other side, which is a term we're trying to get rid of. We're trying to erase othering here in this space. And that meant that suddenly my work life, my personal life, everything had to be put on hold because the structure of clubhouse is that once you open these conversation spaces, which we call rooms... If you close it down, if you leave the conversation, if there's no one up there who's designated a moderator within the software, it shuts down. And we had, and the algorithm moves on. And when the algorithm moves on, it gets hard to bring back an audience and bring people, people in to listen and talk to each other. So we started to, to recruit to recruit like crazy, left and right, everyday people to play a role here. We end up having a sex therapist who works with Orthodox women in New York to come in. We had a couple of folks who are Palestinian-American, um, people living in Al-Quds or Yerushalayim who wanted to come and help. We have right-wingers who have joined, um, you know, Likudniks and Shah supporters who have joined as moderators and their opinions have changed. We have people who believe in a single one-state solution. are Palestinian and have joined, and they're acting as moderators. But no one aside from me and my dear friend, Rabbi Alana Suskin, have any background in mediation in this original team of like eight or nine people. And suddenly we're thrust into the largest exercise in history of citizen diplomacy with us realizing this is actually having an impact, um, a massive impact. And so that's where the story really begins when you realize that this is just a motley crew of everyday people. Who have everyday lives mostly in israel palestine and the united states who suddenly feel that it's their duty to fulfill the as we say in the quran um the, the the quranic mandate of oh humankind verily we made you from one soul into nations and tribes so that you might come to know one another because that's what's been missing for the past 73 years if you are an israeli or a palestinian oftentimes the only communication you will have is going through a touch po- uh through a checkpoint being in a sook for a few minutes, maybe running into each other um, in a market and like you know getting coffee or something like that, sometimes working together but never on an equal platform and that leads to this huge challenge about how do we how do we have justice or how do we have a conversation with one another when we don't know each other The only way we can deal with that is is to put people in a room and these very tired. Very passionate, everyday Americans, Palestinians and Israelis, Arabs, Jews, Christians, um, all of the above. They put their hours in simply because they wanted to make a difference in, 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 this, in, in the narrative. So that's that's how it all began. And how does it make you feel? It's profound. I mean, if you had told me two weeks ago that we would have had as many people participate as we have, I would have thought it's a joke. This is actually making a real-life impact, and it's humbling for all of us, and it's profound. And we're also exhausted. I want to get that out there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can only imagine. Look, I know people who would call me a traitor just for going into a room like that. And I can only imagine it's true for Palestinians, for other Israelis, for people all over the ethnic and religious spectrum, except that I heard one guy said. Uh, I think he was Egyptian, said that he had been waiting four hours, had been on the room for four hours just to ask a question. What do you think it is that's driving people all over the world, and especially against some of the stated social pressures that a lot of us are feeling right now, just to go to this room where they can listen?
7: He's lucky. We've had people who have direct messaged us um, moderators on stage. um to tell us that I'm I've been waiting for five days to get up there. Is there a way that you can bring me up soon? And for folks who haven't had a real conversation, um, or for whom s- social ties um, are often hard to establish with everyday people, if they're Israeli or Palestinian, um, there's a there's a desire to understand what the heck is going on here, and how do we how do we address it? And there, I think there's also a desire by many people to move on from this never-ending cycle of violence that we've seen grip the Middle East since before I was born. So, it's it's a, it, it's the desire by people to understand the world around them, and the desire by people to fix the world around them. To engage literally in tikkun olam, as I believe you say in Hebrew.
1: Yeah, I hear what you're saying. On the other hand, you know, you go to the Atlantic, or actually just Twitter. And it's filled with lots of suggestions put in no uncertain terms about exactly how the world can be fixed. But this was different. And it was just people, it seems like, sharing either their stories or what they thought. Or what was it about this, this experience of just actually being able to hear? Why is why is this different than, sure. than the different media and the different ways that it's being expressed?
7: Previously, when we're dealing with social media, we've been dealing with disembodied uh, voices and faces that are typing behind a screen. And there's some level of anonymity that comes with using your Twitter handle or your Facebook. You have obviously video, uh, video technology like YouTube, right? That where, where you can sort of position yourself and use it as a platform where you are broadcasting outwards to people. In this case, We've, we're not engaged in external communications where you're just projecting outwards. You have the opportunity to have a real conversation with the person and that changes the game. If you're able to hear another person's voice, if you can hear them, you know, tremoring, you can hear the voice, their voice trembling, um, after a bombing in Gaza or someone sobbing after hearing the story of... Baghdadi Jews and their version of Kristallnacht after the creation of the state of Israel, it really makes it real. There's a reason God gave them, gave us the ability to speak and the ability to hear and listen, and we have that opportunity to actually hear and listen for the first time in real in real time with everyday people on a on a scale that's just not done been done before. That that I think is the major difference here.
1: It's a lot of realness though, and I've heard you sitting up there dealing with some of that realness hour after hour, sometimes having to limit people from speaking, gently usher them off or close down certain avenues of conversation, make sure that other voices are heard that need to be heard. Have there been moments where you actually, I just want to know what it's like to be up there in the center of the realness, listening to people hour after hour, share the truth of the harshest parts of their stories.
7: It's not easy. Um, I, I have the interesting function of being one of the third party neutrals on stage, which is interesting because I'm technically Muslim. And so people try to assign me as a party to the conflict, both on the Palestinian side and also on the Israeli side, that I must have a party uh, somehow attached to this. But I try to remember uh, as much as I can on stage that unless I act as a third party neutral, um, to keep the conversation going and to de-escalate and help people through sharing their traumas um, and their personal experiences, and there's been a lot of hope too, a lot of uplifting stories, not just um, not just stories of, of trauma and suffering and and ex- extreme violence or prejudice. Um, but it's very hard. Um, you are you are hearing. We we've heard a number of stories from people who have lost family directly in this conflict. Uh, many people who, with their own eyes, watch their family cease existing in this, in this plane, in this realm of ours. And that is not, those are not stories that are easy to, to digest. Um, one of the stories that probably left me personally um, the most shaken, and I had to find a way to comport myself a few times, was when a doctor in Chazam had somehow been able to download the app and with the limited, um, bandwidth he had, uh, for broadband on his, on his phone, uh, he, he joined us and shared after ending a very long shift. I mean, he's an, he's a, an urgent care doctor out there, I believe. And he had, the bombings were still going on. Um, and he had just finished the shift and it was nighttime here. So it must've been the beginning of day there, right? Because I believe Israel and Palestine are seven hours ahead of us, uh, or six hours ahead from here in DC. And he talked about how he had to, you know, a doctor has to call, pronounce someone dead. And, um, there wasn't much of several bodies for him to pronounce dead. They had been pretty decimated from, um, from the bombings on their, on their home, except for one little girl who survived. And she had to, she kept asking where her family was. And the doctor had to um, keep telling her they'll be here soon, they'll be here soon and keep her calm after she'd been under the rubble for seven hours, I believe. And then he ended with with graphic detail, after telling us what had happened to the rest of her family, he ended with, how am I to tell this girl that the rest of her family are in pieces in the morgue? Um, and then right after that, a very kind gentleman from Brooklyn had jumped on, um, who was Jewish and he had wanted to offer thoughts, but unfortunately, um, he was a bit tone deaf, I think, to the moment. He he probably didn't hear the whole story, or something must have happened, and so he he wanted to share his perspective on why um, the current political uh, situation in Israel led to this behavior, this this uh, current war. And um, I had to gently nudge him and say, I, I realize that you have something you want to share with us, but we just heard something very profound in this space and it's very traumatic. And clearly the doctor who we verified was a doctor, by the way, um, the doctor who shared this story um, has come off of a very long shift in in, at his job. He's traumatized and he's um, he's not likely able to um, comport himself again like that. And he's likely in shock. And, Given how many people are listening right now and given how important this is for us to acknowledge and accept, maybe this isn't the right time to share your political take, just maybe. And the gentleman quickly, to his credit, quickly um, pulled himself together and offered a, a short bracha um, to the stage on the record for, for those who had passed um, and apologized and quickly, quickly be fix that. But, you know, I had to keep my, my own composure up there. The other moderators were, I believe most of them had muted themselves because they were having emotions that they needed to deal with. Um, and so I was the only person who could take that on. And, uh, that's just one of the stories. Uh, there are a lot more, a lot more. Um, and we, we have to get, all of us are getting emotional wellness, um, support from. Professionals as we speak, because that's a lot to digest um, and a lot to deal with, but it's This is the hardest thing I've done in my life um, and Yeah, it's just the hardest thing we've ever done, but and we're doing it as volunteers I just want to highlight this none of us except for rabbi a suskin and I um, From our original team have any professional background in either mediation or facilitating conversations, none of us, and none, except for her and I, none of us have a background in politics or media work. And that means that we are, we're dealing with a very sharp learning curve for everyday people who just want to make a difference, who just want to engage in SEDEK in, in social justice, so to speak. Thank you, Hamza. Thank you.
1: You know, when I was a kid, I was taught to, how to argue on Israel's behalf. And, um, you know, we were even giving sort of like lists of talking points about what to say and how to say it and so on and so forth. And I remember being in college and, you know, it was this battle back and forth about who was right and who was wrong. And um, as tough as it is and as horrific as some of the stories I've heard in the room are that you've clearly had to deal with, I want to tell you that the work that you're doing that other people are doing there is giving, I think is giving people life because it's not just our side is right, dressed up in, you know, fancy words as possible. You hear the truth of what people are saying. And ultimately I believe in the power of the truth. So I just want to thank you for the truth that gets uncovered. You hear people speaking the truth and um, ultimately I think that's the path to healing. Um, for whatever my, you know, this one rabbi's opinion is worth. So, thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you for coming on the podcast. And um, we really hope that uh, you'll take a trip up to New York. Come visit us at Romu sometime in the future.
7: Inshallah, bizarre Hashem. And um, if I can end on one Here thought, Hashem, please. This is not a matter of us having to choose sides, this is a matter of us recognizing the innate decency of both the Jewish people and the
1: Palestinians. That's the side that I'm on.
7: (laughs) Yeah. And as I believe more than one prophet has said over the years in the Jewish tradition, for Israel's sake, I cannot be silent. Um, Not asking you to take a political stance to embarrass the Jewish people, anyone. But for Israel's sake, none of us can be silent. For Palestine's sake, none of us can be silent. That's just the ending thought I have for you. Thank you. Thank you again for having me here. This has been it's been tremendous. Thank you
4: Hope come from the place where the hurt comes. I said hope come from the place where the hurt comes. I said hope come from the place where the hurt comes. I said hope come from the place where the hurt comes. I said hope come from the place where the hurt comes. I said hope. Come from, comes. Said, come from the place where the hurt comes. I said hope comes from the place where the hurt comes. I said hope comes from the place where the hurt comes. The part of you that is not alright. Yeah, is also the part that loves the light. Come from the place where And the, the part of you that is suffering is the part that calls in. Crying out is the part that wants to live, yeah. I said hope comes from the place where the hurt comes. I said, Hope comes from the place where the hurt comes. I said, Hope comes from the place where the hurt comes. I said, Hope comes from the place where the hurt comes. comes, the the hurt comes. When your world is burning down, well, getting hot is a sane reaction, but one in need of action because your spirit needs protection so yeah, gather up your sinew and gather up your faction yeah. hope is not a feeling Hope is an action yeah. said, Hope comes from the place where the hurt. Please, let's to the
1: you want to share something that's bringing light to you this week?
0: Um definitely want to share something that brings light to me and it's uh, something that kind of like is the opposite of fire, it's water. Um I took my son this uh this past Sunday to Coney Island. It was crazy crowded packed it was insane, but you know there was the ocean and i was like i wonder if it's you know warm enough to swim in this ocean and sure just enough just to be
1: clear Basia's idea of what's warm enough to swim in is different from the rest of her <laughs> idea <laughs> she'll go in really anywhere at any time which i i i appreciate i just want to let you know that i appreciate you but i th- thought i needed to give context
0: <laughs> to the
1: rest of the work community
0: i am an ocean swimmer and for for me oceans transforms me. Like I get into the ocean, and I come out, and something happens to me. There's something that happens in the waves. Something that happens in the movement, in the salt, in the ions. It's like totally baptismal. If I use a whole cross, um, ecumenical kind of reference, there's something there. And I you got, could have just
1: said mikva, and we would have been fine. I mean, they took it from us. I was all like, okay. Moving it's on.
0: true, it's true, but I, <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, I have an irreverence in me that sometimes it comes out in some, like, Yeah, but weird... it was very
1: reverent. It was just, like, reverent towards Jesus for a second.
0: <laughs> Why not? He was, you know... Uh, <laughs> I'm so, uh, I know. You know, I have oh, to say, okay. I, it reminds me of a very hilarious story. Okay. Um, I was in... The, I just, like, a short, like, uh, digression. I was in the Midwest, like, bringing music to, and culture... Jewish music and culture to inner city schools in Iowa and like the surrounding cities. And in one of the schools, I said, my name is Basia. It means daughter of God. And I made a reference to like Jesus and I being siblings. And we nearly got kicked out of the whole thing. Like they were like, that is not okay. You cannot like Basia means daughter of God. You cannot do that. You cannot.
1: (laughs) I just love that you are you no matter where you go.
0: the midwest it's amazing (laughs) but i'm not me that's the thing that i'm trying to say is that i'm not me the me that i don't like starts to fall away when i enter the ocean and there's a me that i really did not like a lot of in the last nine months and the depths of this pandemic with being a single mother and workloads just to be like transparent in terms of the the sadness and the inability to be with your peers and your friends and your support networks. its It's been a dark time. So I think, um, I don't know about you, but all of you who are listening, I just recommend jumping into the ocean. Go to Brighton Beach if you're in New York or in Brooklyn or anywhere in the five boroughs and you can have access right at this moment to like the awesome oceans of the Caribbean. Bring yourself to Brighton Beach, go into that ocean, get yourself some borscht, and I'm telling you, something's going (laughs) to (laughs) shift.
1: Yeah, you know, the word for hope and the word for, like, immersion or related mikvah and tikvah. And, um, you know, before I moved here, that was my life. I don't know if you know that. Surfing? Just, yeah. I mean, I'm a terrible surfer, but water. Water. I would go to the ocean. Three times a week.
0: Inside, getting inside the ocean or watching? And
1: I would just, I would try to surf, but mostly I would just sit. Mm. And, um, no. I think my blessing for this week is that you find the Maim Chaim in your life. You find the living waters and the waters that give life. I Me, mean, each of you out there listening to this podcast as we slowly begin to emerge from the seclusion of this pandemic. Right? That you take your place self back to the start, that you find the waters, like the waters, like the the amniotic waters that birthed you. And that you allow yourself to be reborn. All of the schmutz of what it means to be pushed to the limits of what's possible. Right? All the sides of us that come out when we're too tired and we're too lonely and we're too upset and still we've got to get up in the morning. And feed the kids and step off to work, all that stuff. I just bless that you actually find what you were saying, the core of life that makes you feel like everything is worth living. So I bless you with water this week.
0: And fire. And
1: fire. Water and fire. Water and fire. fire, this, right? Light and water.
0: Yeah.
1: Shabbat okay. shalom, everyone.
0: Shabbat shalom.
1: All right, so we should make brachas.
0: Yeah, I think, I don't know, some of you are going to be listening on Friday as Shabbat is coming in. Some of you are listening on Shabbat day when Shabbat is already here. Some of you might be listening on Sunday when you actually have a moment and Shabbat is over. But either way, blessings are really always welcome. So please join us. (laughs) Baruch Ata Adonai Eloheinu Melech Haolam Asher Ki B'Mitzvotav Vitzivanu LaHadlik Ner Shel Shabbat.
1: Amen. Grab a cup, fill it up with wine or grape juice.
0: Seltzer. Seltzer. I mean, if you're not using the seltzer for the matzo balls, then... Use it yeah. for the
1: Kiddush. <laughs> <laughs> Grab a cup, fill it up with wine or with grape juice, and especially blessings. Lift it up with us. Hold it in your hands, fingers together, as we should all be unified in our hearts and our souls. And here's the blessing over Kiddush. Baruch Taduna Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam. Ore <speaking in Hebrew> priagafen.
3: Amen. Vau
1: gata dona Asher kidishanu bamin sforta veratsavanu. Vishabad kotsa be avav ratsonin khilanu. Zikaronema save rashiit. Ki huyom te khilala mi kodash. Ki vanu the Tanu Kidash Tami Koh Hameem Vishabat Kocheha Beahavra son Hinchal Tanu Faruchata Adonai Mekadesh ha-shabbat. Amen
0: Faruchata Adonai Hello, hey, nuroacholam, ha motzi ha Good Shabbos. 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 Good Shabbos.